0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Not-So-Giant-Women podcast with Ivy and Daria. Guess what? This week, we have the tantalizingly titled Fusion Cuisine. So ah, yeah. Do we have any speculations about whether this will involve actual cuisine or actual fusion
1: or both? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, see, I can't remember if I mentioned last week, but... I'm beginning to think that someone thought, hey, we have fusions in our show. We've got to do an episode called Fusion Cuisine. Now we've just got to find a premise (laughs) for it so we can use that title.
0: (laughs) I would not put it past these guys.
1: (laughs) So whether someone fuses and tries to eat or if they're going to do a a doctor's wife type swerve and it's actual fusion cuisine, I don't know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you will know in 11 minutes.
1: Yeah, I'm about to find out. i are going to put the sound, <laughs>
0: sound. Yay. Are the Crystal Gems? We'll always say... Sure. <laughs> <laughs> sure. All right! <laughs> 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 uh. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so, was that what you expected? <laughs> I don't know if that was what I expected, but I certainly enjoyed it. <laughs> Tell us what happened.
1: All right. (laughs) Plot is actually fairly straightforward. (laughs) Stephen and Connie are watching the episode before the mid-season pre-finale of their favourite show, Under the Knife, which Connie can't watch at her place because her mum is a doctor and doesn't like how they get all the doctor stuff wrong on TV. And (laughs) boy, howdy, I've, I've known doctors and I've been there. So in the middle of this, Connie's mum calls her on her flip phone and Connie says she and Stephen are just hanging out and then Connie's mum asks to speak to Stephen's mum because Connie has told her mother that Stephen, in fact, has a mum. So they ask Garnet to fake being Stephen's mum on the phone. Garnet says that the mum universe is seeing the children playing with swords and they're bleeding and they've died. So Garnet panicked. <laughs> <laughs> Later, with, in another phone call, Connie calls Stephen to say that after that little incident, her parents want to meet his parents, and everyone should go out for dinner. And Stephen is on the well, I don't really have two parents, and Connie has complicated matters by telling her failure that Stephen lives in a nuclear family of one mother, one. Father, one child. Though notably when she describes nuclear families in general, she just says two adults rather than specifying a mother and father. Mm -hmm. Stephen has to be told that nuclear does not mean radioactive in this case. (laughs) Now, Greg is fine to go and has found himself a sweater and a jacket to put on and look nice and go out to dinner but Stephen doesn't know what to do for the absent mother because once again as is pointed out rose gave up her physical form to create Stephen, which is something they can't tell connie's mother not least because of how deep we're getting into connie's lie at Stephen ticks off why he could or could not include each of the gems to sub in for his mother and when greg says oh we'll put our heads together and think of a solution Stephen realizes that's it and that the gems should do a three-way fuse and go at that fusion should pretend to be his mother. And at the dinner at the crab shack, mm-hmm. the, I didn't quite catch Connie's family surname, but the three of them, are Connie and her parents are waiting. And they hear what we find to be a stomping because here comes Greg and Stephen, born on the shoulders of a new new to us at least fusion a even gianter woman than Oval, who is introduced as alexandrite a six-armed behemoth with many features of our three gems who is well she sort of sits next to the table <laughs> we get some amusing cover stories as Greg addresses Alexandrite as honey bun and plays up that she is his wife. Stephen tries to <laughs> invent s- stories for his alleged family, such as that his parents met on a roller coaster and that his mother, Alexandrite, works on an apple farm and says that her extra arms are quite useful for picking apples, which, to his credit, they would be. Mm-hmm. Connie takes Stephen to the restroom annex to say, what the hell is going on here? Stephen, in turn, (laughs) what the hell is her? Because really they're only into this because of her lies in the first place. And granted, he may not have chosen the best solution, but she dropped in there in the first place. He also notes that she's wearing glasses she no longer needs and wonders if all this talk of nuclear families and wearing fake glasses is because Connie is ashamed of Stephen. Mm -hmm. Connie says, let's just try to get through the evening. The two sets of parents are almost syncing up, except then the food comes and the pearl, because Pearl has noted how much she doesn't like eating this week, the pearl parts of Alexandrite don't want to eat the meal. The amethyst parts do. The garnet parts are trying to keep them in line. And this difference of opinion causes Alexandrite to unfuse into the three gems, and they're kind of arguing with each other to the appalledness of Connie's parents. And this leads Connie to run off, Stephen to run after her. They run to a bus stop in which they decide they'll just simply catch a bus and go and form a new life somewhere. The bus comes and picks them up to go wherever. However, they hear the stomping again. And Alexandrite has reformed and is coming to pick up the bus and order the children to get out of it. Back at the restaurant... The three gems, are once more, three gems, and start telling off Stephen. Using, I think, we were worried about you. It's because these things could have happened to you. It's because we love you. And well, first, try to punish him with no dinner for a thousand years, until Pearl remembers this is in fact impractical. But they revoke his television privilege for a thousand years. (laughs) Connie's mom sees that the gems are in fact responsible caregivers, if atypical ones, and agrees that Connie and Stephen can hang out together. And when Stephen goes to hug Connie. Her dad intervenes and makes them stand arm's length apart. Mm-hmm. Bit of social distancing there. And we go to credits. <laughs> what okay. an episode. Yeah. Very funny one this week with the loading us with the concept of the first time we've seen all three of the gems fuse together into one. So you can fuse multiple gems into one being, in this case, Alexandrite. Yes.
0: I'd love to hear your thoughts on your first impressions of Alexandrite
1: we don't see her in action for very long <laughs> yeah. she st- she starts off very garnet stoic is a woman of a giant woman of few words when the parents try to make small talk with her and kind of glares at greg when he touches her thigh <laughs> unlike oprah can keep it together for a little bit as individual gems opinions start to differ but mostly over eating which pearl Going over how much she really, really doesn't like eating, so I guess so she's over her pie fad. And too much of this and falls apart. There's obviously no shortage of brute strength in Alexandrite. I'm guessing all three just merge together for a triple the gem strengths. Picks up a bus with no trouble. Interestingly, while Connie's parents are a bit appalled, they're also determined not to be rude about it, yeah. which again throws up the how much do people around this place know about anything questions. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I imagine if it comes to brute force or combat, Alexandrite is quite useful to have. But it seems that she is a a fusion. And I've said before, fusions are obviously differ in various ways in terms of forming and stability. It seems that Alexandrite's components have to agree on something to to keep her to keep her together. So mm-hmm. in combat, that'd be fairly easy to do. Defeat the other thing. But when it comes to small talk and dinner parties, that's a bit more difficult, particularly when Amethyst really wants to eat wants to use this hidden extra jaw underneath
0: hey.
1: Alexandrite's yeah. chin, which is pretty scary.
0: Yeah, first time we've seen a fusion with two mouths.
1: Yeah, it's got the requisite number of arms, but once again, still only two legs. So mm-hmm. whether this is a thing fusions do or just... Evolution just says it's difficult to, to walk around with six legs and two.
0: Right. They just keep piling up the arms. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> it's funny. And didn't really get a good shot of how many eyes she has because Garnet's shades came to the fore there.
0: Yeah. I've had a few discussions about what the hell, Alexandrite. There seem to be some marks around, kind of around the pearl gem that... Mm. One of my Mm. friends was saying, like, are those eyes, maybe they're separate eyes with their own little sunglasses on them? And I think I've come to the conclusion based on some other stuff that happens later that that is probably the case. Uh (laughs) Those are extra eyes, additional eyes with individual little sunglasses on them. But I I still don't know for absolute sure. It's just it kind of looks that way. So
1: even just from a component, she's got seven eyes to go pick from.
0: Right? Like, how many eyes are you going to have on there? How many do you need before they just start being annoying?
1: Yeah, we, we've speculated before about how much influence individual gems have over how their merged form turns out. But we yeah. still don't really know for certain.
0: Yeah, for this one, it kind of looked like her three sets of arms were very distinguished as belonging to one or the other, even though they were all kind of the same design, they were colored a certain way. So it looked mm. like, Oh, those are Garnet's arms. Those are Amethyst's arms. Those are Pearl's arms.
1: Mm. And there were different builds and thicknesses too.
0: She's got the double mouths. She's got kind of a pearlish nose, doesn't she?
1: Definitely. No, it seems to be a fusionally dominant trait.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So far we've just seen what, um, opal and alexandrite and they both have it
1: mm. <sighs> and we got a kind of lovely kind of color for her skin which is probably the light purple and the burgundy merging in with the the pearlish color that pearls is
0: mm-hmm. yeah they did a good job incorporating the colors of the real gemstone alexandrite because that's kind of a, a very multicolored stone so Ended up looking, she kind of looks a little bit like, I mean, she doesn't have a cohesive color palette. She's very multicolored, which serves who they are together really well, in my opinion. But you no, know, she kind of looks like a, a somebody's paint palette.
1: <laughs> yeah, and we've seen, the gems we've, the gems we've seen to, to date, especially Garnet and Pearl, have a more di- more diverse color palette than, than Amethyst, and even more so than Lapis, who was... Uh, sort of just a a fairly blue all over when we saw her. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it fits that she'd be pretty colourful having those two Hmm. as part of her makeup.
0: Mm, You're right. Were you surprised that we got to see this fusion before we got to see the Garnet
1: and Pearl fusion? I don't know because both were sort of significantly unseen. This is the first time, I think it's the first time it's been made clear that you can multi you can multiply yes. not just the two. Uh, yes. No one mentioned it one way or the other when Stephen suggested. So whether Stephen already knew that or if he just assumed it and happened to be right, we don't know, but he was right. You can merge with three gems or whether you can that, then merge, go on to merge with four or five or whatever, I don't know. But
0: that was interesting to me that Stephen knew that that would be a possibility or that he would just pull that out because so far, you know, as far as he knows, it's something that two gems dance together and then they become a fusion. And we didn't get to see how, how they did that. <laughs> yeah, it's a
1: shame we didn't see that dance. That would have been cool. But, right. but for that one, you can cut I guess it just depends on whether Stephen assumed as viewers as some viewers did that if it's been two so far, it must be only two, or if he just assumed that he, he didn't assume there was an upper limit to the number of gems that can fuse.
0: Right. Some people were saying maybe, like, you know, this early in the show, there was a lot of discussion about what fusion rules would be. And there was kind of this dominant thread of people saying that they didn't see it being possible for three to do it, that probably two of them had to fuse and then that fusion would have to dance with the remaining one. But at this point, they haven't let you know. They don't know. I mean, especially after we saw how difficult it was for Amethyst and Pearl to synchronize it seems like it would be especially difficult for three of them to do it
1: yeah and on the other hand well they cert- they almost certainly wouldn't risk forming sugalite first to try to <clears> then <throat> merge her into alexandrite because she probably wouldn't be any more impressed with doing that than she was with trying to be defused mm-hmm.
0: yeah, if they were going to do it i imagine that uh garnet and opal i would like to see a dance between garnet and opal that would be neat
1: well, I'd love to see what the three-way dance looks like, but both times Alexandrite formed this week, she was off-screen.
0: That's right. And it is interesting that so far, except for Opal, um, the following fusions that we've seen with Alexandrite and Sugalite, they both formed for a non-combat reason. I mean, Sugalite was there to trash a tower, but they weren't there to fight anybody. They were just there to do something else functional, and this time it's a dinner party. <laughs>
1: And we've got the exponential size thing going. Compared to Opal at least, she she probably could be on a par with Sugalite, who was massive. Mm-hmm. But Opal was Opal was just like just outside very tall human range when she was made of two of them. But adding a third yeah. well makes her like transformer size. Yeah. Given what I just said about Sugalite, I don't know if this is another unpredictable thing, if maybe some fusions do just sort of Remain fairly small as just certain combinations end up very large.
0: I remember hearing a lot of speculation about that too, because opal at least fit in the house. Mm. <laughs> and you don't think that Sugalite would fit in the house, and Alexandrite definitely not. They better have done their fusion outside.
1: <laughs> yeah, I haven't been able to, well, I just watched it. <laughs> so I haven't have been able to work out if Alexandrite or Sugalite is taller. And mm-hmm. I think. At least Sugalite actually got taller during her episode, so.
0: Mm-hmm. I think if I just had to guess, because, I mean, the si- size is uh, notoriously a little inconsistent in this show anyway, but mm-hmm. if I had to guess, mm-hmm. I'd say Alexandra is probably taller than Sugalite. But, you know, then she sits down at a table, so it's hard to tell. I'm glad they were outside, <laughs> And then, <laughs> at outdoor seating.
1: And then she's kind of turned into blobs of light to turn back into the, the three <laughs> and... It seems to be a blob for each gem is in actual rock rather than person, but yeah. Garnet's nonetheless went back to her hands. So okay. it's probably teasing me with my half-formed theory about Garnet, saying this could mean this, or it could just be how the rocks work, that they have glows around them.
0: What do you, what do you think?
1: I don't know. I actually wonder if they'd started to wonder if people like me would think this and made it just ambiguous <laughs> enough to mess with people like me.
0: You got to know that that's what they're doing because they're, well, Rebecca Sugar at least is, she said, I love, well, I always hated when people said that I was overthinking or I was analyzing too much. And I wrote this the way that I did because I want people to do that. I feel like, do you, are you, what do you, what are your... Kind of your familiarity with the whole Harry Potter thing is pretty good, right?
1: Pretty good, yeah. Ducked in and out. Yeah. Um,
0: One of the things I didn't like about Harry Potter was how hard J.K. Rowling went on every red herring. (laughs) She drove those into your face with such intensity that it it was almost like she was telling you that this isn't what you think it is. And I feel like this show is—it's not like that, but they're not above doing things that they know it looks like something very much like the titles of the show would sometimes lead you to think something Mm. is happening and then it'll happen but not how you think or it'll happen exactly how you thought.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, I've I've been reminded of something Doctor Who did a few years ago. At the time, there was a character popping in and out that we didn't know much about but they hinted was actually the Doctor's wife but he didn't know that yet. Mm -hmm. And then they announced an upcoming episode was called The Doctor's Wife. And everyone went, oh, this must be when we find out all about River and whether and how she's married to the Doctor. Mm Because, you know, time travel and all that. No, it turned out the Doctor's Wife was a a metaphor for his relationship with his TARDIS, with his vehicle. And Mm -hmm. River was neither featured nor mentioned. So creators do know how to do that, how to drop something right in front of you. And if you think you know what you're going to get and you don't.
0: Mm -hmm. And as far as I can tell, the food that they ate in this episode was not really fusion cuisine. We just had the fusion at the table.
1: (laughs) No, it seemed to be just prawns and on a bed of something, which, oh, somewhere between Pearl and Amethyst. uh, Alexandrite had to show her half-eaten food to everyone. (laughs) Yeah. It's like an agreed upon course of action because Amethyst wants to be gross and Pearl wants to not actually swallow it. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. It is interesting, though, that even though she didn't want to eat herself, she was willing to consent to be part of a fusion that theoretically would be eating.
1: I guess she she also just panicked in the moment, maybe, or Mm -hmm. thought she'd be able to influence the amethyst parts to eat lightly or something.
0: I have uh, very mixed feelings about this episode personally just because, you know, two things you're excited about, you're excited to see the fusion and you're excited to meet Connie's parents. Mm-hmm. And I was excited that both of those things happened in this episode. But I felt like okay, at first Steven is trying to pick which was his most nuclear mom, you know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. he's like maybe this one pros and cons, maybe this one pros and cons. So it seemed like he was going to he was going to pick one and Pearl's reason for not being there, suddenly being her voicing very strong opposition to eating, you know, as you mentioned, this is the first time that that's really come out like that. And it kind of felt like, yes. yeah, and, and it didn't even work really, because you could just bring Pearl because all things considered, she's probably the one that would behave herself most like a mom.
1: And um, her behavior would most impress Connie's parents, particularly Connie's mother from what we saw.
0: Yes, I believe they would have had uh, proper parent connection. Although we, seeing Pearl try to tolerate Greg would be interesting. That I mean, that should have been the opposition that she didn't think that she could convincingly act like Greg's wife or something. But, you know, ultimately she could have just said that she's fasting for something and she's fine without eating.
1: I was thinking exactly that. Just take Pearl yeah. and say she, she's sick or something, or she's on medication or she's fasting.
0: Right. And she really wanted to join you, but she won't be able to eat anything. Like she the bottom line is if you felt like you couldn't go to dinner because people would expect you to eat and it would be just too weird if you didn't eat the answer to that, b- making it even more weird with a giant woman with six arms, it doesn't seem like it makes logical sense. It just doesn't.
1: That occurred to me. I think I brushed on it in the summary that, okay, Connie mm-hmm. has built this lie, but Steve yes. is choosing the worst way to indulge in it. Uh, right. I, I, he could even have said, oh, Connie, Connie was mistaken. I live with my mom and my two other aunts. They were just out when Connie was around and she didn't mention them at first.
0: Right. Or just, you know, Connie thought that I lived with my mom and my dad, but you know, my mom is actually passed on and you know, these are the people who take care of me. You know, it's not, it seems like, I don't know, maybe it was a Connie panic. Yeah. I mean, that she felt like her parents were suspicious and that she had to make Stephen seem just like them for them. I mean, she must think her parents are extremely judgmental. Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: Well, I think they are. I don't think she's entirely mm -hmm. wrong there.
0: Oh, I think that she knows that they're judgmental. But, you know, I mean, it's not like, I I don't know. I mean, would they look down on Stephen for not having a mom if he said his mom was dead? You know, I mean, that's essentially the truth. Maybe she just blurted it out and now she has to stick to it.
1: Yeah, and I mean I was thinking the same. If you said that some or all of the gems were aunts, I mean that's more or less true, really. Mm-hmm. Especially as especially as aunt doesn't necessarily mean your biological parents biological sibling anymore.
0: Right. And then like the fact that he gave the phone to Garnet and she said those hilarious lines.
1: Well, yeah. Um, I mean I forgive the episode everything because of that sequence. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah I'm sure that that's why they felt like we have to meet these people immediately because we don't know what kind of weirdos are you know thought that that was a, an acceptable joke or something I mean the garnet panicking on the phone is that is seriously one of the funniest Garnet has a lot of moments like that,
1: <laughs> which also raises why didn't they just pick Garnet because she's already spoken to Connie's right. mom and she knows what she sounds like
0: mm-hmm, yeah you know, you probably don't have to tell Garnet to just
1: be quiet. <laughs> she would do it. Well, yeah, I mean, that's another one. You're not much of a conversationalist. Doesn't seem like a very strong reason. I mean, just.
0: Yeah, it might have been
1: just. <laughs> just don't even... talk much then. I mean. She, right. She does. It's, it's not like she's a literal rock. She speaks when she's spoken to. She wouldn't sit there entirely silent no matter what. So
0: Right. I, I think maybe that was Stephen's polite way of saying, you really screwed this up for us by saying we were dead because you didn't want to talk to her any anymore and you figured that would solve it. She'd never call again if you were dead. you know.
1: Like, <laughs> well, yeah, maybe just good. oh, she'll say we're dead again. So I just kind of need a nice way to <laughs> calm her down on that.
0: The children are playing with swords. They're bleeding. Oh, they're dead. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, this polished off by, sorry, I panicked, in a completely <laughs> unpanicked tone.
0: Yeah. I mean, she's a mess. <laughs> she's and her so belief, awkward sometimes.
1: And her belief that her name would be Mum Universe.
0: Yeah, Universe. <laughs> it's funny because um, she said that that was her like panicking, not knowing what to do, kind of being awkward. But she does it with such confidence that mm. it just doesn't feel like awkwardness. Because usually people are really anxious about being awkward. Being awkward and Garnet's
1: not. She amends playing swords to playing with swords. It's like, oh, that that (laughs) doesn't make it better, Garnet.
0: Right. (laughs) Oh, you forgot a part of speech? Whoops. Yeah, that's hilarious.
1: In fact, that's arguably worse because now you've said they're actual swords.
0: (laughs) Right. (laughs) They're not just playing swords. So, yeah, anyway, I have mixed feelings about this episode. I kind of don't. I like to say I don't like the episode, but this is not one of my favorites just because I kind of don't like how there had to be kind of excuses to make it work and people acted a little out of their usual range of how they acted. They usually act.
1: Well, yes, yeah, that scene when they're trying to work it out with Greg putting his jumper on, uh, that is definitely, we kind of need this to patch up how the rest of the episode is going to go. Right. Because mm-hmm. yeah, this this is the first we this. If Pearl had doubled down on not eating before, then right. there'd be a bit more to that. But for I mean, what I most remember is, is her talking about how she likes pie. So mm-hmm. you know, maybe I don't know if they have pie at the Crab Shack or something. <laughs> yeah,
0: well, it's funny that you say that about pie because that was a fan response. There was a lot of there were a lot of fans saying that to the creators, like wait. Since when does Pearl not like to eat? She said she liked pie in the birthday episode. And one of the writers, Matt Burnett, he replied to that, to a fan who tweeted him about, like, what about the pie? And he's like, oh, Pearl likes pie as a process. She likes to make it. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. If you say so. You could have you just said she likes the number pie. <laughs> And she didn't understand that it was also the term for some food which she doesn't like. But I could see Pearl liking certain aspects of baking because, I mean, it is a science and she could put it together like a potion and feed Stephen. Yeah,
1: probably one. She enjoys Mm -hmm. part of her caring for Stephen duties. So Mm
0: -hmm. We did see her washing dishes last episode briefly Mm -hmm. in the Key Beach City Weird one. So I guess she spends some time in the kitchen.
1: It's no difficulty to imagine her as the sort of lead homemaker.
0: Absolutely. And that's, again, why she probably would have made the most nuclear mom. Yeah. I mean, I just thought of that while we were sitting here talking about this. I'm like, the conflict should have been she couldn't convincingly get along with Greg and let him call her Honey Bun.
1: Yeah. And <laughs> in fact, if Connie's mom being a doctor, she'd know there's plenty of reasons why someone couldn't or shouldn't be eating for a time and wouldn't, and would, right. Kind of she could just it.
0: say she has a test tomorrow, like yeah. a blood test, and she's fasting.
1: Yeah, so I, I could think of many reasons not to eat that would pass, but no, we we had to we had to bring in Alexandrite. Yeah.
0: Right, and again, like, just to avoid the weirdness of not eating at the table, you know, you're swapping that out for something that takes a lot more to explain.
1: Yeah, I mean, not getting amethyst to do it, that makes sense. I don't think we have to really question that. Yeah,
0: so yeah, and I mean... Garnet can be pretty agreeable. I mean, I could see her sitting there and her maybe her sternness uh, being appreciated. It was in the end that they were, they were like, yeah, that's uh, no dinner for a thousand years. That was pretty funny. And Garnet's like, all comedy is derived from fear.
1: <laughs> see, it, it was the moments like that, which I, mean, I do like this episode, even though, like yourself, yes. I don't like that basically middle bit, which is just there to make the rest of the episode happen.
0: Right. And there's kind of this cringe comedy thing that a lot of people like, it's so hard to watch that you're not enjoying it. It's like, oh God, watching them suffer their way through this terribly awkward dinner. So,
1: Well, for me, the humor there was Greg trying to act like they're the stereotypical husband and wife and yeah. Oh, that's my honey bun. Yeah.
0: Yeah, My sweet dear wife here. I don't know what she does for a living. My mom works on an apple farm. (laughs) And then they try to run away. What was that?
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, Stephen's impulsive enough to agree with, but I guess Connie was just hitting high panic by this point.
0: I guess so. Yeah. I mean, her mom went hard. She was like saying, I didn't know I couldn't trust my own daughter and that's got to be hurtful. But yeah, everybody panicked in this episode.
1: (laughs) And definitely uh, Connie's parents, I I guess it's kind of been led to where they don't hang around Beach City much, which brings up the how much do they know about this sort of stuff? Mm-hmm. Because they seem just as appalled that Alexandrite was a lie and not Steva's actual mother than that she was made of three people and she was right. huge and had six right. arms. Right,
0: right. They're like, oh, well, who are they? And it's like, hey, how come this Alexandrite person isn't your mom? You, who are these people? Like like that's a, that's a logical question to be answering rather, when you've just seen – a giant fusion unfuse and become random weirdos that then start arguing with each other about food.
1: and can (laughs) spontaneously make gauntlets appear.
0: Yep, and punch each other, Three Stooges style. Mm.
1: (laughs) But on the other hand, they don't seem to have quite the uh, filter of the average beach city resident because when Alexandrite stomps over the hill, they're actually surprised for a bit at first before they decide Mm -hmm. not to be rude, whereas A lot of the other people we've met just kind of, oh, those gems are at it again. Look, it's a giant one, right? And obviously, the obviously the waiter coped.
0: Yeah, I guess we didn't get to really see too much of uh, interaction with that. But but yeah, you're right. We didn't see any service people or uh, wait staff running away, screaming, saying, "There's a giant monster out there, and she wants more breadsticks." Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) It's (laughs) it seems to be a standing thing that. No one to date has, they could also be very polite, of course, has noticed the gems' atypical skin colors or that they have rocks embedded in them. Mm-hmm. And certainly, especially with Pearl, there would be little getting around that. Right. Uh, I do people. remember
0: in the beach party, Kofi asked about what's wrong with Garnet's hand. Oh. Um, but other than, but I mean, like you said, it's her hand, whereas, you know, she could just not show that if she was worried mm-hmm. that people would call her out and say what's wrong with your hands but then you got pearl and she doesn't even have bangs
1: (laughs) i don't know she doesn't even have a hat on (laughs) that also makes makes me wonder on a far less deep thing about garnet's gems why when she claps her hands it sounds like clapping and not like two rocks banging together Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah so whatever the cause is of getting a double gem, and unlike everyone else, is is part part of her power that she can just retract them slightly, so she can make proper clapping sounds when she wants to.
0: I made a fan comic about that once.
1: Oh, cool.
0: <laughs> kind of, but it was about Stephen giving Garnet a handbook for how to what was it called? How to how to how to cope with your hand gem or something like that. <laughs> and it's like tips and tricks, and it's a uh, she becomes very offended by the book, <laughs> <laughs> but beyond that, it is a spoilery fan club fan fan comic. So I can't show you the whole thing, but it's it's like it's not a serious comic at all. It's a it's just a weird joke. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I've definitely thought about about that, and also, I mean, it would impact your dexterity. And with her, you can't even use your other hand. Having uh, done a gar- Garnet cosplay, I have encountered that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I can imagine.
0: Yeah. The most convenient one, of course, is cosplaying Amethyst because, like, you just don't interact with the world with your chest very much.
1: No. no. I remember I used to have a piece of jewellery that covered the same part and I gave up wearing it because of just how annoying it was to do anything.
0: So, I would like to talk about Connie's parents.
1: Okay, let's talk about Mr. and Mrs. Connie, because I missed their surname.
0: <laughs> yes, so we found out their last name is Maheshwaran. Daeshwaran. Which is an it is an Indian name that means Lord of the Universe. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> A lot of people had theories about that. <laughs> Just funny, yeah. That's a mouthful, but I appreciate that they gave them, you know, a name that isn't necessarily simple to say. Because I think for people in, I guess, mainstream American culture, anyway, we you see a lot of people making judgments about names that sound too foreign and they don't know how to pronounce. They're like, "Oh, I'm not going to learn how to pronounce that because it's hard." But you know,
1: Also, well, a lot of a lot of people of Indian descent on TV, especially on British TV. A lot of them are called Patel and Kapoor. Right, it's easy to say. Uh, so it's it's, um, it's nice they could sort of break out of that mold a bit.
0: Yeah. I work for a company that the, the guy who owns the company is Indian and he has several other people working for him who are Indian. And uh, they have an assortment of unusual in this country last names. And let's see, one of them has a last name that's five syllables. And her first name is four syllables so it's a mouthful.
1: <laughs> I went to school with someone with a six syllable surname so I did yeah I, I learned I learned to cut with that one
0: right um there there's a lot of just I mean uh, from people who don't have a lot of exposure to cultures outside theirs or people who are straight- up bigots and stuff you you see a lot of people mm-hmm. saying it's you know it's un, unreasonable to to have to learn these things and meanwhile they are okay with learning complicated last names from parts of Europe or something. Like everybody knows how to say Schwarzenegger. Mm. But as soon as it sounds, I don't know, outside of their experience, I don't know. It's almost like some of the countries that you're supposed to try to learn how to pronounce their names, it's like, oh, that's more cultured. <laughs> mm. And whereas some other names from other parts of the world, people feel comfortable dismissing them as just being too hard or being, you know, they'll, they'll be insulting about uh, their responsibility to learn how to pronounce it. So I I think just more exposure to people with diverse names is the answer to seeing less of that. So hooray for the Maheshwaran family. Her parents' first names are not mentioned in the show at all. Although, Her dad's name later gets a reference to it, but I don't remember when exactly this happened, but somebody actually asked Ian Jones Cordy on Twitter, like, what are Connie's parents' first names? Because I guess we went on for a while not knowing what their first names were. They're just, well, in this episode, Stephen called them Mr. and Mrs., but later, after he knows she's a doctor, he calls them Dr. and Mr. Like, you know, parents don't have first names. <laughs> They're just Mrs. or Mr. So I guess it hasn't been relevant to his life exactly, but the, he, Ian, answered what their names were, and the father's name is Doug, and the mother's name is Priyanka. So it's not really spoilers because they never they never have an episode about it. <laughs>
1: Hooray. Doug and Priyanka Mayashran. Yep. Mm-hmm.
0: So now they have faces and names. So it was cool to meet them. It was. We knew that the dad was a security guard because she said so in the first episode where she was introduced. But we didn't know until this one that she's a doctor. The mom is a doctor and objects to her daughter. This uh, copy of General Hospital for this <laughs> for this uh, world. How did his legs get into his brain? <laughs>
1: That was funny. Well, I guess if you're an ER doctor anywhere near Beach City, you keep pretty busy.
0: Oh, goodness. I guess so. I wonder how many mysterious illnesses and injuries she has treated.
1: Just sort of start to hear the noise from distantly in the city and realise you're about to have an influx.
0: Right. There was that reference on Ronaldo's blog la- from the last episode where he had to go to the hospital because he was listening for ghosts and the instrument picked up the sound of a, a gem monster and hurt his ears.
1: So Ronaldo he to go does, to the hospital. The Ronaldo also strikes me as someone who may not know what the parameters of actual emergency are.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, well. In his defense, he says that he was in the hospital for several days and that his ears were scabby. So, that's kind of gross and terrible. So, you made note in your summary that Connie had a flip phone. I thought that was an interesting aspect of kind of character design, that it kind of tells you, okay, she doesn't have a smartphone, maybe her parents are giving her this flip phone, so they can always call her and she can text and be called, but she can't have the internet.
1: That's what I was thinking too. Yeah, I mean, I Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know there are some flip phones that can handle the internet to a degree because I had one, but certainly she's not going to be filling it with apps and social media and things and all of those things they want to keep their dear daughter separate from.
0: Right. You know, knowing that her parents are pretty strict and then that she has this less advanced phone and calls her mom, "Yes, ma'am."
1: Mm, very much that. I noticed that.
0: She even puts her glasses back on while she's on the phone with her, like her mom's going to see her.
1: <laughs> yeah. I meant to mention that that was a good touch that she's sort of slipping back into the character of the Connie who presents to her parents, who, mm-hmm. who, do- who doesn't have cured eyes because, you know, she doesn't know any magic people, no, ma'am?
0: Right. Mm. Yeah. That It kind of tells it tells a pretty robust story only in images and language choices. So, and then of course we meet them and we find that they're quite strict and they, they suddenly start respecting the gems and Greg when they're punishing their kids, <laughs> you know, that's when they start approving of them and they say, Oh, you're responsible parents because you ground your kid from TV for a thousand years.
1: You can be strict too. I like you.
0: Yeah. And just the, I, I don't know. There was some controversy with that where, the mom is suddenly saying, "Oh, I love the because we love you." Shut down. I'm partial to for your own good. <laughs> it's for your own good. Like, let's have a pissing contest over who make you know successfully
1: shames their kids. Yeah, well, I saw it more of a comparing notes than a pissing contest. But
0: yeah, well, that's true. They were they were relating over it, not competing over it. That is true so wrong term for it definitely
1: and i've known parents who have, who have referred to techniques they need to warn or discipline their children in such terms so yeah it might be controversial to some viewers but it's an entirely real thing oh
0: yeah i could probably make a probing question out of this actually because it's kind of controversial follow up questions So, you know, the whole, you know, the phenomenon of the, the, the tiger mom, right? Yeah. I saw some interesting discussion where people were talking about this and this is kind of where the controversy came from that especially, you know, many cultures of South Asian and East East Asian parents have these very strict styles of parenting and they pride themselves on like, I make my kid practice their instrument and they will go to lessons and they will do this and they will be a productive member of society and that is how our culture works and there are people who say you know this is this from outside of the culture they'll look at that and they'll say this is like an abusive thing but then other people say it's basically uh, xenophobic or racist for you to say that our culture is an abusive culture because it's you know it's controversial so There were a lot of people who said, I relate to this because my parents are just like this and they're very strict and that's how they talk. And then other people are saying, I've been kind of a victim of this going overboard. So I guess my kind of like my thoughts on it are, it's kind of not my my business to say (laughs) one way or the other, but you know, if I was going to, make a probing question out of that. I just, you know, what do you think of kind of the difference between having an established cultural difference versus certain parenting styles do have negative effects?
1: Hmm. It's interesting you put it like that, because I have definitely seen this before, but it's not really being culturally stratified. Mm-hmm. I know just as many people from European or other cultures who have done this to their kids or been the kids this was done to as from mm-hmm. Asian ones. And mm-hmm. I've known people from various Asian cultures that do have. And in fact, I've known people I know that I know the Tiger Mom thing is has its roots in a Chinese stereotype, but right. mm-hmm. also I've known Chinese families who are completely the opposite end of the scale. So I, I, I have could, too. Mm-hmm. And I also remember when I, from before that, when it was the stereotype of what a Jewish mother did. So mm-hmm. I think it's a very cross-cultural thing that occasionally becomes more identified with one culture or another, but is actually fairly omnipresent.
0: Right. And you can have people from European ancestry who just are very strict parents and <laughs> follow some of the same.
1: Yeah. Even seeing it as a class thing, because I've seen it, Associated with being an upper class thing because uh, mm-hmm. you know you can afford to give your kid violin lessons and piano lessons and tennis mm-hmm. lessons and whatever else. Yep.
0: Or Do I've seen see it. violin. <laughs> with,
1: or I've seen associated with lower class people because they want mm-hmm. their kid to take on all this so they can have the opportunities they didn't have and rise above. Right. The you know, word
0: emphasizing obedience and stuff like that.
1: So I think while it's possible to credit it to certain cultures, whether you mean cultures of country or cultures of other aspects, I actually think it ultimately comes down to it's a thing some parents do.
0: I think so too. Um, I I think it's, I'm not gonna, because there were a lot of people who did identify this as like, this is a, you know, I'm from a South Asian family and this felt familiar. In a particular way. And, you know, you can say that, oh, that's a valid observation while also acknowledging that if this had, if Connie's family had not been Indian and they had acted like that, nobody would have said, this is weird for a family that's not from one of these cultures to do it. You know, they would have just been like, oh, they have strict parents, is what it
1: is. Also, I think it's just as variable as to how the kids will take to it. I mean, some kids mm-hmm. given all these things to do actually dive straight in. Some kids, given a single extracurricular class would dig their heels and not want to touch it. Right. And Mm -hmm. Connie seems, I mean, we've not actually seen her at a tennis or violin or whatever else lessons, but she seems a fairly studious type. So she doesn't seem like she's browbeaten into doing any of this. Right. Seems to take the benefits of being someone who reads a lot and studies a lot. So
0: I think so. I think in general, she seems like She at least is not poorly matched with that entirely. The thing that worries me, though, is how readily she lies as a protective measure. That she fears her parents will take something from her if they know the truth. That is worrisome to me that, you know, that she felt like, if she was honest with her parents, then they wouldn't let her do something that's important to her. She feels like she can't communicate with them. And then her first thought is, let's jump on a bus and run away. <laughs> but it is nice to know she cares that much about Stephen and keeping Stephen in her life, that she would take risks.
1: I mean, I know some children just lie just because they Yeah, do. they do. Uh, they Connie do. doesn't quite seem like that, but obviously she's no stranger to mendacity. So we can put a pin in that mm-hmm. one at least. And right. as kind of came out a bit this week and is actually comparable to the a few weeks back of Pearl messing with the Rose Quartz bubble mm-hmm. in that it seems that Priyanka is actually more upset that Connie lied to her rather than of mm-hmm. what she found the truth to be. So Connie could have made this that assumption that she needs to tell these lies when she in fact does not.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I just wonder what led her to believe that her parents would not be accepting we've seen that they're strict but you know like you said they when they saw three people fall out of a giant a giant lady you know Mm -hmm. their reaction is we want to know what this is rather than you know that they're freaking out about the magic
1: yes it (laughs) it could be that it could be that her parents are so horribly strict that they're making her feel she's forcing to do this or it could be just blind panic because Stephen's life is so different to hers. She is studious and has extracurricular activities and everything, and he doesn't even so much as go to school. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, she's probably made some assumptions about what her parents would feel.
1: Yeah, and some of those assumptions might not be entirely wrong, but also as mature as she is, she might have exaggerated them in her mind into "This this will result in me not being able to see Stephen at all. Yeah. Because this difference would be so thoroughly objectionable and my parents might think it's contagious.
0: hmm yes.
1: That we haven't actually seen either of her parents before this moment. I mean, it's a bit up in the air either way, whether this is what they've done to her or something has just formed in her head or a bit of both. Right. So we've never seen, you know, for example, a conversation where she says, well, I don't want to have violin lessons. Oh, you're going to anyway.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're going to do it and you're going to like it. Yeah. They seem a little bit like parental caricatures at this point, but like most characters on Steven Universe, you're going to assume there are layers. (laughs) Um,
1: We haven't seen a lot of parenting from parents in a more typical way in the show, at least not so far. It's true. Steven's upbringing, for good or ill, is definitely not a typical experience and... So, gems' responsible guardians, as they are, are not his actual parents. Mm-hmm. Most people's parents are just kind of assumed to exist or have existed at some point. We mm-hmm. haven't seen a lot of characters stepping up and actually fulfilling their parental role on screen.
0: Yeah. I'm I mean, trying we- to think if I've seen any moms besides technically, I mean, Nenefwa is Kofi's mom, but he's grown. Mm. And other than that, I don't think we've seen any moms until we've seen Connie's mom. Mm.
1: And the two main dads I, I'm thinking of, other than Greg, of course, have been yeah. Kofi and Fryman Senior, who are also yeah. relating to their children on a professional level, kind of. So yeah. in fact, most of the time we've seen them, it's been in their store, which has at least fogged the realm of how much is parenting and how much is running the store.
0: Yeah, that's true. I guess Stephen doesn't hang out with those those characters in playtime. We've seen Lars and Sadie outside of the donut shop a couple of times now, but we haven't seen their parents. Mm. Mm. Stephen must be hogging all the moms.
1: Oh and and we saw onions dad briefly. Yeah. (laughs) That's true. And Mm. in fact, obviously, he's not being a good influence on his son. (laughs) Obviously, he hasn't had the talk. And by the talk, in this case, I mean, don't ride mopeds over ketchup packets in the middle of the high street and crash into a building, setting it on fire.
0: Mm -hmm. Stop crawling inside of vending machines and stealing stuff. He probably encourages him to do that.
1: So, yeah, there you go. If Connie wanted a more elaborate plan, she could let her parents become aware of Onion. And then when they become aware (laughs) of Stephen, they just think, oh, at least he's not as bad as Onion.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Hmm. I wonder how she's getting to Stephen's house, you know, Mm. how Connie is getting over there.
1: At first it sounds like she's not even nearby that often, but she's turning up enough. Maybe she's... Maybe the usual base of operations is like one town over, which fits with mm-hmm. maybe sometimes a dad's assigned to this one town over from that. Right. Because security, I don't know much about security guarding, but I haven't heard of it being something you're, you're sent all over the country to do.
0: Nah. Yeah. He probably has little contract jobs around wherever he's based.
1: So it means, probably means sometimes he's in whatever the next whatever the next town is, their version of Shelbyville, and but sometimes they send him up to Beach City. Mm-hmm. And granted, doctors can be sent all over the place, but usually if they're sent to, you, often if doctors are sent away, it's to somewhere else in, entirely.
0: Yeah. Mm.
1: All we know is that she's an emergency doctor, so I don't know, maybe she's one of those ones who's on call to all the hospitals in the region or something
0: yeah, we don't get a lot of details, do we?
1: Hmm. Well,
0: Connie seemed pretty familiar with the bus. Maybe she just takes the bus.
1: Well, yeah, it could be that that simple.
0: Mm-hmm. just trying to think about, like, if Connie's got sort of overprotective parents or parents that want to know all the details and stuff, it seems unusual that she would even be spending time at Steven's house if they haven't seen it and walked in and met these parents. Because, I mean, I remember, my I don't really think of my mom as being overprotective, really, when I was growing up, but she always wanted to meet every parent before I was allowed to go mm-hmm. to somebody's house. Like, she would talk to them and she would, make her judgments of who they were and whether I was safe there to be, whether I was safe to drive with them, whether I was safe to go to the house and be left there. You know, she wanted to meet them.
1: So maybe, um, maybe Connie has to spin lies long enough up until this point to keep her mom at bay. But mm-hmm. in this is where she finally cracked through.
0: Mm-hmm. I could also probably see her parents, valuing independence, valuing the ability to navigate and entertain herself without getting in trouble and stuff like that. I could I could imagine them valuing that trait in her.
1: That's true. And they do talk about the level of trust they want to have in her this episode. So it could be that in that regard, they've more or less had it.
0: Mm-hmm. But she's sneakily going away to her magic friend's house who doesn't even have a mom and they're going to watch the show she's forbidden from watching.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, that's something that would be the button for some parents that they're watching something at the other kid's house that you're not allowed to watch here. Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: And he wants to know, you know, why can't you watch this at home? And it's, it's because it's not accurate. It's not because it's dirty or violent. It's that it's not accurate. <laughs> I used to do that. If I wasn't allowed to listen to music or watch a certain show, I'd do it at my friend's house.
1: I have seen parents and kids who actually say that, well, maybe not accuracy per se, but I don't want my kid thinking this is how things really work in the world.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. My mom forbade me to watch Beavis and Butthead.
1: My mom (laughs) didn't have to forbid me from that one. so
0: (laughs) (laughs) I liked it and I wanted to watch it. And the characters reminded me of people I knew at school. And my mom saw an episode of it and said, like, this is stupid. You're not allowed to watch this. So I wasn't allowed to watch it.
1: I <laughs> did have one which confused me for ages. My mother at least wouldn't let me read a comic entitled Zatanna, which confused me because I knew who this character was. And she was like the same from the same superhero crop as all the other ones I was usually allowed to and encouraged to read. Mm hmm. And I think I worked. Out, I think I guessed later that it was because she thought the name was a reference to to Satan. I see. But it was actually it's actually an Italian given name, and that's just a character's name. Mm-hmm. And she just mis- mistakenly made that connection, which is just entirely absent from the actual content.
0: Yeah. My mom kind of has selective memories of what was allowed when I was a kid because I distinctly remember a lot of things I was not allowed to do. Oh, I think that music is trash. You're, I'm confiscating your tape. And, you know, I'm like, oh no, my favorite music. I have to get a, a copy of it from my friend so I can still listen to it secretly. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, my mom's like, you weren't forbidden from listening to anything. I encouraged you to do whatever. I never sweat the small stuff. And I'm like, well, you did though. <laughs>
1: Yeah, my my mother too has forgotten some of the stranger things she forbade me from doing.
0: Mm-hmm. I wasn't allowed to braid my hair.
1: <laughs> I wasn't allowed to say zebra crossing. You
0: weren't allowed to say zebra crossing?
1: Y- Why? Yes, because apparently here they're called pedestrian crossings.
0: <laughs> well, I guess here we mostly call them crosswalks.
1: Well, yeah, I was, I was thinking I was saying that if you would recognize the term, but obviously you do, but... As far as I well, can tell, lots of people in this country do call them zebra crossings anyway, so I don't know what this <laughs> here we call them pedestrian crossing thing was about in the first place.
0: I don't know, but I work for traffic engineers, so I've heard it all.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I even occasionally hear crosswalk here.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It's funny the kind of almost arbitrary rules that they they kind of make up and enforce.
1: I, so, well, one, of, one of my friends has done a similar thing to her child in that she, she, she's making him say biscuit instead of cookie. Uh-huh. Which one of the things is there are a lot of cookies here that are actually marketed and sold and made as cookies, not biscuits. So, of course, you call them that when you buy and eat them. Mm-hmm. But whenever I say that in front of him, like, oh, I've just eaten a Subway cookie, he goes, you can't say cookie, it's a biscuit.
0: <laughs>
1: and his mother kind of blushes and shrinks because she knows exactly why he's doing that. That's funny.
0: Oh goodness. You know, I mostly grew up with a pretty permissive parenting style. I mean, in most respects. And my mom was not really all that hung up on whether you used bad language, which is funny because there were certain things that she didn't like us to say. She didn't like us to say, shut up. We weren't Mm -hmm. allowed to tell each other to shut up because that's rude. But she wasn't too hung up on like swear words. And she says, as long as you don't swear at people, you don't call me, you know, whatever insult. But I mean, if you say it in passing conversation, it's not like I'm going to punish you. So, But of course, when we were really little, there were certain words that we knew were, quote, bad words. Mm -hmm. And I have an anecdote about my youngest sister thought that there was a swear word in one of her children's books. And my grandmother asked her, oh, really why can you tell me what the word is and she whispers in her ear that it was the word predicament (laughs) (laughs) so you know my grandmother had to be like oh you know very seriously and then told my mom about it (laughs) she was dead serious but that was a swear word (laughs) so I venture to say that probably Connie is not allowed to say any curse words or any
1: rude words she's, at all. She's got strict parents and she's on a kid's So She's
0: allowed to watch Dog Copter, or at least she read the books.
1: Yeah, well, maybe it's why her parents let her watch, because, you know, it's based on high literature.
0: <laughs> yeah. I wonder if they're the kind of people who just kind of assume that if she's reading, that's more intellectual than any movie. And that's not necessarily true.
1: <laughs> no, but I can see her parents believing that.
0: It's possible. I don't know. I wonder if they would be the type that would be like, okay, she's reading, so therefore she's reading something valuable versus like we're going to examine every book you read and make sure that it's food for your mind and not trash.
1: Well, this is filled with smut and violence and blood, but it was written 150 years ago, so that's okay.
0: Yeah. Uh, Let's see. Oh, I forgot to say how I liked Stephen's cute little bow tie when he was meeting her parents.
1: (laughs) I, I saw that, and Connie had a, a similar thing on the front of her tunic at the start too. So we're getting yeah. some bow tie action this week.
0: I think that was the little dress she was wearing when they met too. But Stephen, just you know, wearing what he usually wears, but there's a bow tie. That's just that's so yeah. Stephen.
1: I am now being formal.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Greg looked all right, you know. He, I think he had some tattered shorts on, but he looked presentable.
1: Greg again shows that he, he does understand you can't just wear a dirty vest and. And what have you, going out to a nice dinner?
0: Mm -hmm. We're introduced to the Crab Shack, which is, I guess, the fine dining of Beach City. (laughs) (laughs) Fancy restaurant, the Crab Shack. (laughs) Had some nice lighting out there.
1: Yeah, and I guess that provided at least some of the food inspiration this week.
0: (laughs) Mm. So, of course, I did reproduce the food of this restaurant, both the breadsticks and the Appetizer that made them fall apart.
1: Was that, it seemed to be prawns on? Was it a bed of noodles? I can't quite remember.
0: It looked like just kind of a garnish of lettuce or salad leaves. Okay, um, just remember. And uh, the the breadsticks are pretty easy for somebody who bakes a lot, like me. You know, Breadstick, it's in of, the name. <laughs> yeah. The tip of I did go ahead and make them from scratch when I when I reproduced this recipe. And I did both of those together because they were for the same meal. So I went ahead and did the whole usual sort of activating yeast with, you know, sugar and stuff and then adding in the other ingredients like, you know, flour and salt and oil and all that. Kneading together and letting things rise and all that. But it also has a nice little topping of what did I do? Butter, garlic. And there was something else in it. Maybe it was salt. I think that's it. But you like brush it on when they're hot. It's really delicious. Mm. So I made, I make a lot of weird food for this, but it's nice. It's a nice relief when something is normal and really good. But as you can imagine, the other dish was a bit of a challenge for a vegetarian who does not eat any seafood. So Mm. when I have a situation like this, I still try to make it as close as possible. So Mm. I was kind of going for what can I do that's sort of like shrimp. It looked to me like these were not breaded like shrimp things, but they I I tried to do something that you could do with a shrimp. Like you could get what, like a, I don't know, like a pound of shrimp or something and fry them up like this. But I did go ahead and do like a breaded kind of thing with a vegetarian option that that was trying to be fish, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know? So
1: I had fake shrimp, yeah the other night. It was actually pretty good. And you did? Was it good? Yeah. Well, it means I finally got, because I'm a bit allergic to shellfish normally, it means I got to actually right. taste what old fuss was about without worrying. And it was pretty good stuff.
0: And Yeah. Was, was it breaded?
1: No, it just, it looked like little white and orange prawn butts.
0: <laughs> Maybe I should have searched something out like that. But then like, if there's not much preparation, I kind of feel like, okay, I put, I warmed this up and I put it on a plate. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean?
1: <laughs> yeah. I, My friend made it for me. I don't know for all of us, but I don't know where she got it or what she did to it before serving it. So
0: That sounds good. There's definitely some uh, fish stew pizzas I could have used those on as well. (laughs) But I did the whole like three dip kind of situation where I guess I had like a flour and salt bowl and an egg bowl and a breadcrumbs bowl and kind of did that and put it on a bed of lettuce. And for authenticity's sake, I, I, I sat down at like a little stool to make myself into a giant mom. And <laughs> ate it with a very small fork to try to simulate that experience. But this was very tasty. It didn't make me dissociate into separate people. So oh. um, I uh, was very impressed with that. I, I did also make that terrible cake that Steven was preparing while he was on the phone with Connie, a cheese ball
1: cake. That was my next question.
0: Yeah. And weirdly, this was one of my very early recipes before I started kind of making it a thing. I was like, I want to make that. That's that's a cheese ball cake. I'm going to make that. I think I may have made it as a celebration for one of the, they tend to have little events when the show will come back and stuff. And it might've been as early as either season two or early season three that I recreated this and brought it to my friend's house. But um, that was just kind of a typical yellow cake. I mean, you could go with a, box cake you could go with a store bought mm. cake if you want it to pretty standard with three cake. layers yeah. yeah and so i just kind of made my normal kind of yellow yellow or white cake you could, i made like a yellow cake but you know three layers and i made my own buttercream frosting and i put it on there to squish out the sides he doesn't ice he doesn't frost the sides of the cake or the top of the cake he's just got it kind of squishing out like between mm. the layers i made this sloppy ass cake and it has like a ring of frosting on the top which i reproduced and you know since he's talking to Connie on the phone and upset about her accusing him of having a nuclear family <laughs> and this, he puts one cheese ball on the cake and then like he doesn't do anything else so i don't know where he was going with that but i i kind of went in the direction that i thought maybe he was going and i'd lined it with cheese balls and i put some cheese balls around the base of the cake and made it real fancy so that's my cheese ball cake but unfortunately they got stale really quick so it wasn't all that good oh. <laughs> But you know what do you expect when you put cheese balls on a cake, right? So that is my my cooking adventure.
1: <laughs> cheese ball cake. <laughs> so I'm sort of trying to taste that in in my head and Yeah, no I no, I'd try that.
0: You know, Stephen tends to put things on other things that you don't necessarily think will go together and I'm thinking of the together breakfast with popcorn mm. and that at least was very good. It was tasty and You know, the sweet and sour was good, but this just, I I feel like it it wasn't great. (laughs) So it was worth trying, but you know, cheese balls soaking up kind of the moisture of the cake and then just not good. Didn't stay
1: crunchy. You'd want to get the full effect. You'd want to eat it fairly quickly.
0: You know what I would suggest to anyone who wants to, who is ridiculous enough to reproduce this is that you add the cheese balls right before you eat it.
1: Mm, there you go, yeah. If you're serving up, you have the cake and a, a wee bowl of cheese balls.
0: That is what I would do if I had it to do again, but I've done it once, so I don't need to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so that, that, is, that, that sums up my food experience with this fusion cuisine that wasn't really fusion cuisine. It was cuisine with a fusion.
1: There was no, like, sushi pizza or tandoori chicken penne?
0: That's right, there really wasn't. It seemed uh, like the Crab Shack is a pretty typical seafood restaurant with breadsticks. Maybe it's like their Olive Garden. Do y'all you, Do you all have that on your side?
1: No, but ago? I've heard of it. So, yeah. Yeah. And I've like, I've been to places like the Crab Shack, especially in coastal towns, which each city is.
0: I tend to like to get the, the breadsticks and some soup when I go to a place like Olive Garden. But I've never gone to like a a local seafood kind of restaurant that has outdoor dining like that.
1: No, to, to me, it was very typical, some of the places of, because I used to spend a lot of time, especially down the Queensland coast or one of them. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of places like that, which had a big outdoor dining thing, partly because the weather was often warm and partly so people could enjoy the beach while they dined.
0: Yeah. seems like a good idea. Been to a couple of restaurants where they kind of pride themselves on the ocean view, but, um, not outside. I think it's partly though, because living in Florida, we have a lot of days where nobody wants to sit outside either because of the heat or because of the bugs or
1: both. Yeah, I can understand that. We're not alien to that down here either. hmm
0: so. If only I had known that! I probably have some factoids. Let's see. The people who boarded it are Lamar Abrams and Helen Joe, And I have a factoid about this that you'll like. Although I need to look up what the title, the description was. Let me see. Ah, yes. In an effort to win over Connie's parents, Stephen convinces the gems to fuse together and pretend to be his mother. That's too much.
1: <laughs> no. You want something more like Stephen finds himself in a spot when Connie wants his parents to meet her So her parents. to meet, Yeah, no, his parents to meet her parents.
0: Yes. Um, but the factoid that I think that you will really like is when I said when I was saying that this is uh boarded by lamar and helen joe has a weird sense of humor and one of her (laughs) alternate lines of dialogue for amethyst when instead of what she actually said which was i love it when mush passes through my body she had her some original uh line of dialogue was uh i I love popping biscuits from my body tube (laughs) (laughs) And apparently, even though it didn't make it into the show, one of the other people who is very prominent on the show, Kat Morris, would say this all the time. I love popping biscuits from my body tube. <laughs> they were just quoting this as this inside joke on the podcast, the official podcast. I
1: probably slipped into office slang. I come and help you. Know it. First, got to go pop some biscuits from my body tube.
0: <laughs> it's completely something Amethyst would say.
1: <laughs> I love that. Um, that, that. That raised the question, though, is because... Alexandrite managed to eat at least a bit of food. So Mm -hmm. where where does it end up when they Mm reseparate? Does it like evenly distribute amongst the three, or does Amethyst get it because she was the one who committed to that? Or
0: you know, if I had to guess, I would say Amethyst would be glad to keep it, Mm -hmm. and uh, she is probably the only one who has a ready-made digestive system just built into her form. Mm Uh, I'm sure she she apparently really enjoys that. So yeah, that Pearl's uh speech there at the end when she's like eating food is so disgusting. Chew it into nasty mush, swallow that goop, then it comes out of you. (laughs) She's so offended. (laughs) And Amethyst is like, that's a party though. Wow. It's,
1: it's vaguely like I've heard some people of particular eating disorders say, but they turned it, I think they got through by turning it up to 11 and making Pearl say it in a Pearl way.
0: Right. I mean, at least with Pearl, you know that she doesn't need to eat. And, yeah. she, and that's the other
1: thing of Pearl, it is genuinely an optional extra. So
0: she's, you know, kind of defending it before they go saying uh, that they get all their, all the energy they need from their gem. So, mm. Mm, Yeah. She probably is offended on several levels, besides the fact that she has to take a foreign organic substance into her body and do something with it. She's also probably offended that there's this unnecessary waste. Like, why spend this energy on this?
1: Oh, yeah, she'd totally freak out if she ever got, like, turned into a human somehow with all the various <laughs> needs and musts of a humanoid body. Right. A human body. Organs needing to
0: sleep, needing to eat. Mm. Mm-hmm. And then she'd also have to take lessons from humans and possibly Amethyst about how to manage having a body like that.
1: Oh, Amethyst would love it. She'd go, I didn't know you could make gunk in your eyes. Oh, God. She
0: would start collecting it. Mm, yeah, most likely. I don't know that Amethyst as a human would even be that different.
1: <laughs> yeah, she
0: I, Find new ways to be gross.
1: Yeah, I think she'd just be impressed that there was some bodily function she hadn't heard of since so she had to try out.
0: Oh, yeah, she'd be like, Hey, check this out. My armpits stink. <laughs> <laughs> if I don't bathe for a while, will it get worse? <laughs> Which will be better. <laughs> it be funny.
1: I haven't shot for two days and it's so funky. <laughs> yes. I
0: think if I want to give you more factoids, I could tell you about, we have several new voice actors joining the team because so we have both Connie's parents and uh, Alexandrite. Right? Ah, yeah. So they all have a voice actor that I can tell you about. Alexandrite is, you know what? I don't actually know how to pronounce her name properly, but I'll give it a shot. She is one of those people that goes by three names. It's Rita Rani Ahuja, I think is her last name. She's not, let's see. She has a lot of training in acting, just like acting, acting, and has done kind of other voiceover work, but hasn't done a lot of like voice acting training. She said that she booked the role through her agents and like she made a statement about how like, Doing the voice work for Alexandra, she finds it very exciting. She really enjoys it. She said she really liked working with Rebecca on the show. And she said it was the most fun voiceover work she's ever done. So that's funny because there's not a lot of lines. A lot of screaming and grunting and rejecting Greg's weird advances. (laughs) (laughs) Have some more breadsticks, dear. (laughs) amazing
1: well the the, um, the glare through the glasses when he puts his hand on her thigh
0: <laughs> it's just like i can't reach anything else i'm sorry mm. <laughs> whoop
1: <laughs> and he probably thinks it's acceptably part of the act but no no, mm-hmm. no. Right, right. So, somewhere in these three it is bubbled to the surface that you don't go around touching people's thighs you know now i'm hers. imagining
0: if like, I'm imagining what would have happened if they had picked one of them and he had pulled that, what the reaction would have been with each of the three.
1: <laughs> uh, amethyst, not much.
0: <laughs> She'd probably reach over and put both her hands on both his legs. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, we're doing this? Great.
1: <laughs> Garnet would probably also similarly silently glare, but maybe not slam his head. I think it
0: would be very similar. <laughs> You're touching me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sorry, dear.
0: And Pearl, well, we know.
1: Yeah, not not cope, not cope. Don't,
0: yeah, don't. she'd just body slam him. <laughs> yeah. Pull her or she, spear out.
1: <laughs> yeah, or she wasn't expecting she'd leap away and maybe mm. spear out in the process.
0: Possibly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, considering how she reacted to being hugged, mm. back away slowly, hide behind Garnet. <laughs> maybe she died under the table. <laughs> oh, goodness. Mm. Or maybe she'd pull up a chair between the two of them and put Steven in it.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: (laughs) So I don't know that much about the other two voice actors. I know that Doug Maheshwaran is voiced by Crispin Freeman, who does a lot of voice acting.
1: Mm, I've heard of Crispin Freeman. Yeah. Yeah. He's been around.
0: Yeah, he's, I think, if I'm not mistaken, most of his roles are anime. Ah, dubs versus subs. (laughs) <laughs> I think it's, it does mostly anime dubs. I'm not sure though. I'm
1: just gonna double check something on that. Mm-hmm. Don't know, mm. this, is, this is safe. I'm looking up another source too.
0: <laughs> it's it's safe to Google this.
1: <laughs> yeah, like I. There it is. Yeah, he is. He's a he's a handful of Transformers.
0: I see. There so you I,
1: go. I went through the Transformers wiki to check that, so that's safe.
0: See. You know how to do it. Doctor Priyanka Maheshwaran is voiced by Mary Elizabeth Mclinn
1: That name I do not know, so.
0: Yeah. Let's see. What do I know about her? I don't know that much about them because I'm sometimes not that great of a fan. She's she's done other voice acting, I know, but I think she's more like into
1: she hasn't been a directing
0: character. and like script writing and directing. And I heard that she sings. Which made me think, like, wouldn't it be funny if she, like, sang a parenting song? <laughs> <laughs> I could see her busting that out. I couldn't see it, honestly. <laughs> hmm. Oh, I giggled a little bit when you were saying how they totally needed to make this episode because they needed to make the fusion cuisine pun. Because this episode was originally titled Fusion Crime. I don't know why.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, there wasn't that much crime going on? Yeah. (laughs) Unless they think they count Connie committing fraud, I suppose.
0: Maybe. I mean, the lying and or the running away, I have no idea. Or possibly that they're getting punished for their crimes. I don't know. But what I remember seeing about it was that it it was released as, like, that was the name in the lineup for such a long time that when TV guides started picking it up as fusion cuisine people thought it was a mistake because they were like isn't that fusion crime and people had like edgy theories about what was going to happen <laughs>
1: <laughs> but we saw it right there on the screen in the in the cheerful bubble letters
0: yeah oh yeah so it's i mean maybe that's the process they went through they're like we have to call this fusion cuisine <laughs> hmm. i guess i don't think i have any other factoids so all i have left for you is merchandise Brand spanking new Mint Inbox. All right, what do we got? Sadly, I there's no like plushies or figurines of Alexandrite. I'm so sad about that because obviously this would have been the episode to show it to you. So I'm kind of back to only slightly related types of merchandise. So I figured this is sort of a parenting episode and I brought out my dad universe hat. It has Mr. Universe and it's a baseball cap that has his van logo on it. It's Mr. Universe.
1: Oh, that's cool. So
0: it's the best I can do for a related piece of merch. But hats like this work poorly on me because I'm so small.
1: Oh, but it looks like it might even be big enough to fit my head. I have the opposite problem. <laughs>
0: well, it's on the smallest setting over here. So I guess it can be made bigger. But yeah, it's one of those things. It would probably fit a much bigger head <laughs> This is official Cartoon Network merch, so it can be Dad Universe and (laughs) disappear your whole head into this baseball cap.
1: (sighs) Looks like you're secretly sleeping in a cartoon now.
0: Yeah, I am. I'm (laughs) sleep-talking right now, so I'm a model.
1: (laughs) Someone must make podcasts of their own (laughs) sleep-talking.
0: That is not our podcast. It might include a little less of my rambling if it was. I don't know. <laughs> not a very comfortable hat on that size. I have to make it small again. <sighs> so that's my merch. If they ever create an Alexandrite Funko Pop or something, we'll have to go back in time using the time thing and redo this episode.
1: <laughs> you can do that with podcasts. I've sneakily replaced episodes of some shows before when I've been able to do a belated fix or something.
0: Wow! great. <laughs> so any other final thoughts on fusion cuisine?
1: No, I know it had that big plot problem in the middle, but there was enough just ludicrous humor to carry me through. So I quite liked it. Oh,
0: I think some of the ones that I don't like as much you like more than me. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And then again, you also, like a lot of the ones that I dislike, some of the writing issues happen to be stuff that Lamar Abrams wrote. He's a funny guy. I like him a lot, but some of his episodes are things that I don't like. And he's also the main force behind Onion. So I think I've figured you out.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think in this particular one also, we've worked out that we both kind of had the same problem with the episode. It's just... uh For me, it was outweighed by things like Mum Universe and Honey Buns. Mm-hmm.
0: Goodness, that stuff, though. Garnet's awkwardness on the phone and some of her stoic one liners were absolutely, I won't say that they like save the episode because I like basically every episode of the show, but they're definitely highlights for me. I'll put it that way. <laughs> mm-hmm. So before we close, should I tell you what the next episode is called? Ah,
1: yeah, let's hear it.
0: Should I? (laughs) Okay. Episode 33 is called Garnet's Universe. Oh. (laughs) So get excited for next time.
1: (laughs) I'm probably going to take a safe guess that whatever's happening, it's fairly (laughs) Garnet-centric.
0: We shall see, shan't we? (laughs)
1: Uh, Well, we'll see you all next time, and you'll hear us talking about Garnet's Universe.
0: That's right. Thanks for tuning in. bye -bye. Mm. you've been listening to Ivy and Daria on not so giant women
1: you can find episodes of the show in video form by looking up not so giant women on youtube
0: or in audio form at anchor.fm slash not so giant women or your podcatcher of choice you can also find us on facebook
1: Audio production by Daria.
0: Video production and music by Ivy.
1: Daria can also be heard on Podsploitation, the Exploitation podcast.
0: And Ivy at her Stephen Universe fan blog at love-takes-work.tumblr.com.
1: Stephen Universe was created by Rebecca Sugar and remains property of Cartoon Network. No infringement is intended. Comedy is derived from fear.